You're listening to the Zenial Dadcast. Welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday. This is Mo, and you're listening to the Zenial Dadcast. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about solo parenting. We're going to talk a little bit about Halloween. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Red Hot Chili Peppers because they just released their second album in one year. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've got a. I feel like I have a history with the Chili Peppers that I need to get off my chest. So bear with me while I work through this. <laughs> um, and then our band to dig out today is a band straight out of Atlanta, Georgia. Baby Baby has been around for more than 10 years. They're, they're a band that's been on my radar for a long time, and uh, I'm excited to share them with you. So stick around for that. Let's get started. So yeah, so I'm flying solo today on the podcast, uh, and I'm flying solo in more than one ways, actually. I, I am solo parenting for the next week, and what I mean by that is it's just me and my boy. We're in La Paz, Bolivia. We're in our apartment, uh, and it's just going to be the two of us because his mother is away on a uh, on a business trip. So, you know, this has happened before where we've been, we've been alone for longer periods of time, and... I've never spoken about it on this show. I wanted to speak about it a little bit because it really is an exercise in time management. And let me give you let me give you the perspective or at least a good a good rundown on what a regular day will look like for me. My son and I, we will wake up somewhere between 7:30, 8:30 in the morning. Uh, and in that time, I have to wake up and I have to get him his breakfast. I typically, you know, do a quick clean spot check around the house, wash some dishes, maybe throw some clothes in the washer. Um, but generally speaking, that morning belongs to us and we have to we have to get things started. Then I have to check into work. Uh, and once I check into work, uh, this I should I should point this out. We're we're in South America. So at least in Bolivia, kids don't go to school the whole day. They go to school either in the morning or in the afternoon. And because we've never been very, very good, because we've never been very good morning people, we've always opted to take Benny to school uh, in the afternoon. And so he, he won't go to school until uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so that means the mornings he's with me. So around 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm signing into work. I get started. Uh, Benny is well-trained. At this point, he knows that daddy has to work. He has his breakfast. He might have some homework to do, but generally speaking, he's just, he's free to, he's free to uh, play. He's free to watch a movie. He's free to do some homework. You know, he, he has, he's in kindergarten, so he has a little bit of homework every now and then. Um, but it's very much a balancing act between making sure that my son is good, making sure that he's either, you know, he'll, he'll come into the room sometimes and stay with me, uh, and he knows that he can't he can't sing or, or speak too loudly if I'm on a live call, or I'll be out there in the living room working, you know, adjacent to him while he's playing or watching a movie or, or doing something. Usually, like drawing or coloring shapes, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I'll check in from you know probably every twenty minutes. I'm doing some work. I'll check in to see what he's doing. He'll come in and tell me if he needs some more juice or if he's hungry for something specific. Uh, but then 
you know, we're talking 8.39, two hours later, around 11, I start thinking about lunch. And I start thinking about, okay, do I need to prepare something or do I need to order something? And most of the uh, restaurants on the apps, they typically don't open till noon. So I, tr- I start thinking about it, but also there's meetings or there's tasks. There's things that need to happen throughout the day, uh, throughout the week. So I'm balancing those two necessities. Uh, at, at noon, I'm definitely making sure he's eating something. And I've had, I, I recently, a couple of months ago, I bought this cheap little kitchen timer from one of these home goods stores. And I initially thought I would use it, I do use it, to time box myself. To say, I'm going to work on this, 15 minutes, I'm just going to focus on this one thing. And it's, it's worked wonders for my own personal time management. But I had no idea it would be so effective with Benny because he's five years old. He's learning about numbers. He's learning about time. You know, those things are still uh, abstract concepts for him. But he's starting to kind of get, he's, trying to, he, he, he's starting to kind of understand that there are things that need to happen when they need to happen. And so what I've gotten in the hang of is, you know, noon, he's, he starts to have his lunch. Uh, or we order it and, you know, we know it's coming. So I know that around one o'clock he has to go into the shower and start that routine so that by two he can be at school. So I'll usually give him the time and I'll say, hey, in 55 minutes, 60 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, you have to take a shower. And he'll, he, he will independently himself go ahead and move the timer to the right, to the right minute count uh, and then say, okay. This has done wonders for our communication. Benny has always been a kid that struggles with sudden changes. You can, you can hear him in the background just kind of going nuts in the other room. He always uh, struggled with sudden changes. So his mom and I would always have to kind of plan ahead. You know, we would always have to plan ahead because when he was, uh, when he was younger and he, he wouldn't communicate as well, uh, we would always struggle with him just adapting to a new situation. It's always been a thing uh, with him. It could be it could be his personality. It, it could just be something developmental. Uh, but the truth is, we've always walked on glass around him just to make sure that he was comfortable. And that, for for better or worse, you know that I don't know if that's a good way of being a parent or if that's a bad way, but uh, it's just the way that the, we we knew how to handle it. Well, with this timer you sort of set an expectation. <laughs> I don't know. He's just playing by himself. Uh, you set this expectation with a timer in a very, very specific, you know, almost didactic. You know, he's, he's like touching the timer. So he's making a commitment to it. I don't know if it's, I don't know the psychology behind this. And I'm sure maybe someone who's listening, maybe you can drop me a note and let me know. But it, it has worked wonders because it sets an expectation for him. And he kind of is understanding the concept of time. And no matter what he's doing, he's understanding that that's going to happen in 55 minutes. I've set 55 minutes. That's, that's ticking away. And as soon as, a, as soon as the timer rings, he's just gung-ho for taking a shower. You know, or if it's for doing something else, just as long as you set that expectation, he's just ready for it. So around 1 o'clock, the timer goes off. And he and I both know how to take a shower. I go and I help him turn in the shower. He goes and takes up his clothes. You know, gets he he, he uh, usually brings in a couple of toys in there to to join him. And uh, 
it's working. I mean, when his mom's around, she comes over, she helps out, she she definitely pitches in, uh, and that's great. It alleviates amount an amount of pressure and you know uh, responsibility off my shoulders. So it's invaluable. But with the timer and Benny communicating better and me just being much more fixed on what needs to happen when it needs to happen, we've been able to make it work in a really positive way. So one o'clock comes around, he goes into the shower. I'm typically still working. Uh, my, my lunch hour, I'll typically take 1.30 to 2.30, block out, no matter what, there's nothing happening other than me focusing on get, making sure my son gets to school. I grab something to eat somewhere, and then I head, head back to work. So one o'clock, he's in the shower. I'm still kind of closing off some, some, some stuff at work. 1.30, I'm away at work, and uh, I'm away from work, excuse me, and I go and I help him get dressed, get his snack and lunch ready uh, for school, get his backpack ready, uh, and then we're off. You know, and we'll go. We'll, we'll go downstairs. We'll get a taxi. We'll go to school. I leave him at school, and uh, and then I grab something to eat somewhere. Come back to work. Anyway, I'm sharing that because it is a bit of a production, right? It does require you to be very focused on your time management, and it does require somebody to, you know, be very strict. I guess. And I, at work, I've been able to pull it off thanks to my coworkers. But really, I tell everybody, you know, my my calendar is up to date. If it's free, book me. And I block those times out when I know I'm not going to be uh, directly focusing on work. I block them out, make sure everyone knows about them. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, planning, a lot of organization behind it. But we're on our own for the next week, and we're going to be we're going to keep trucking, doing that. And it's been a really really positive experience. Uh, we never, my son and I, we we almost never get into any kind of conflict. I can't remember the last time I had to chastise him for doing something wrong, you know, like actually get upset with him. Uh, And I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like that's a sign of positive communication. I'm I'm not like a tyrant. So he's not, you know, super educated when it comes to picking up after himself. I know I'm very, very loose. In fact, I've had that argument before (laughs) where I'm too easy on that kind of stuff. But I also know that the flip side of that is we communicate really well. He does what he needs to do, uh, and and we have a good time together. So that brings me to the second topic, which is uh, Halloween. It's Halloween tomorrow. Halloween's a bit different in La Paz than, than when I grew up. You don't really have that culture of getting dressed in costumes and going out house to house, ringing doorbells and saying trick-or-treat. There is some of it, but it's just not prevalent. A couple of years ago, we tried to organize it in our building where we did this event and we asked neighbors to pitch in and whatnot. And it was a bit disappointing because we have, uh, I live in a big building with, you know, more than 20 floors. So that's about, that's gotta be like what, 40, 40 apartments or so. Very few people raised their hands to take part in it. Very few people, maybe I want to say less than six neighbors throughout the whole building uh, were open to just, having kids come knock on their door and, and give them candy. And it was really disappointing because it cut, it cut the night really short. And what was really frustrating was that the families that did participate didn't just participate with their one or two kids in the house. 
they they would bring in their other their cousins and stuff from other buildings from other other places in the city so there ended up being more kids than neighbors that were participating so it was one of those situations like I, I bought a bunch of candy for the for the people uh, who work at the building the porteros people who take care of the building uh, and I said hey here's the candy just give them to the kids you know I tried to get people involved I even looked at some of the uh, the, on the bottom floor, there's some businesses, some little stores. I would also, I literally just bought the candy and gave it to them so they could give it to the kids. And it was a bit of a, you know, it, it was a bit of a, a challenge because it was like people knew about it, but they weren't really sold on doing it. And uh, and then it was disappointing to see so few neighbors w- willing to to participate. So the way that families typically do Halloween here is the kids will get dressed up and they'll go to... Families will go walk around the, the major plazas. Businesses will be open and they'll greet kids with candy. And families will be walking with their kids. And on the sidewalk, you know, they'll greet other families. And the kids will say, trick or treat to the other family. They'll get some candy. Their kids will say, trick or treat to us. <laughs> we'll give them some candy. It ends up, it's a weird variation on on what, what I'm used to. But it, tends, it ends up being a really sweet uh, variation of, of the same thing. So... That's what we're looking forward to doing uh, tomorrow evening after he after he gets out of school. We're going to head down to one of the plazas and just just have a good time with it. I do feel like when I was a kid, I was very lazy about these kinds of holidays. And I mostly just tagged along to the point where like maybe the first 10 years every year I was just a vampire because I always had the costume, you know, some variation of the costume ready. Uh, so my mom just got used to doing the vampire thing and we buy the vampire teeth. It's very lazy. My last year, but I remember, I didn't even bother with a costume. I just bought a lazy mask, and, a, and me and my couple of friends, we just grabbed pillowcases, and we went trick-or-treating. And it's very lazy. I can't imagine what adults thought of us, because we were already, you know, in our early teens, probably too old to be trick-or-treating. And yeah, I'm not proud of it. But now as a, as a father, it's definitely taken on a new meaning and being being involved and active in something that excites my son and that is fun. It gives me a way to be a kid again with him in a way that other holidays, they don't really, you know, like Christmas very much about giving them what they want and having that whole family thing. Uh, Thanksgiving as well. Fourth of July is a whole different thing. It seems like Halloween is really the only holiday that a parent can take advantage and be a kid with their kids. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting, well, I thought it was an interesting thought. I don't know if it's interesting to anybody listening, but <laughs> that's a whole nother, whole nother story. So solo parenting with my kid. I mean, it's, I guess I can't say it enough, but I, I am enjoying it. And hopefully, hopefully, I think, uh, you know, hopefully all parents have the, an opportunity to spend an extended amount of time with their kids alone. You really, I think there's a different dynamic when it's just you with your kids alone than when it's both parents with the kids, I feel like there's a different dynamic and I feel like you get to learn more about each other in those moments. Let's switch gears and let's talk about the band to dig out. Baby Baby is a band that stretches back to 2009. They had a, they got a lot of releases and holy moly, are they a fun band to, to listen to. Uh, and they got a good amount of, so they got a good amount of listens, but they only have around 618 monthly listeners, including myself. This is a band that to me, when I first heard them, they got a lot of songs that, and maybe you'll hear this. Let me see what we're going to play first. Yeah, maybe you'll hear this in the first track we, we, we play called Fire. But 
they got this really they reminded me of of the red hot chili peppers during the george clinton days when they were playing a much more funk aggressive punk uh style of music before you know uh blood sugar sex magic so they got that vibe but they're also if you listen to a lot of their songs it's not just that it's very melodic it's very powerful it's very loud and and party centric they got a really good vibe and really unique if you compare them to the bands that are already on the bands that they got playlist they kind of stand out in that way they have this energy that's very unique to to their group uh and that's why i wanted to feature them because because you know they, they just have a powerful powerful sound so the first song we're going to listen to is called fire fire is part of their 2011 release called money uh it's a fun track to listen to hopefully you'll you'll dig it so here we go with fire by baby baby Amy and i think it's best if you just let us know don't you let me, don't you let me, don't you let me so And I'm not crying, it's my allergies, they ache Don't you think we, don't you think we, don't you think we flow I see the clouds, the trees, the lies, the bow Don't you think we, don't you think we, don't you think we flow I see the clouds, the trees, the lies, the bow Don't you think we, don't you think we, don't you think we flow
So that was Baby Baby with their tune called Fire, released in 2011. Does that sound like a song that is 10 years old? I'm just, yeah. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed it. It's such a good band. And going back to my comparison with uh, with the Chili Peppers, it did strike me that they came out with their second CD uh, in one year. And what struck me the most was the overall vibe, like the switch in vibe, because when Unlimited Love came out, there was a lot of uh, baggage with that release uh, coming off of, you know, the firing of, of their uh, Chris, I'm going to mis-say his name, uh, Hofflinger, and then the return of John Frusciante. There's a lot of baggage there, and I'm not sure I agree with how that situation was uh, conducted, frankly, right? But also this idea that the Chili Peppers couldn't have two guitarists especially two guitars that by all accounts would complement each other very well. I mean, Hoffinger used to tour with the Chili Peppers before Bushanti had exited uh, supporting them. So I'm, I'm just confused as to why they felt the move needed to happen. And obviously there are things there that we haven't been privy to, but it just felt like Unlimited Love was a forced release and overhyped with John Fushanti's return. And just the vibe of it wasn't as fun, I guess is the word I'm looking for, or melodic. It's not that it's bad music. I've listened to a couple of the tracks, and what was it? Black Friday, I think, was the main uh, was the main single out of it. it. Just wasn't that good. But now, man, if you listen to the new release, which I'm blanking on the name right now, let me let me pull it up real quick. Return of the Dream Canteen. I don't even know what that means. But just looking at tip of my tongue, what a great fucking song! I'm just like flabbergasted by how good how good that tune is. Uh, I've I've listened to maybe half the record over and over. Eddie, reach out, peace and love. They're pretty good. I like roulette. I like my cigarette. I think drummer is getting a lot of attention. I don't know which one's gonna be the the next big one that I'm gonna dig. But just comparing unlimited love to Return of the Dream Canteen, holy, it's just like day and night. It's like. I don't know if they needed a break or if these were just B-sides that had too different of a vibe for Unlimited Love. I don't know what the story is, but it's, I feel like it's a much better record. And if you were going to package a record as The Return of John Frusciante, I think this is as good as a good a record as you're going to get out of it. It's, it's definitely not the instant classic that Californication was, or Blood Sugar Sex Magic, or um, Stadium Arcadium. Even, um, by the way, I feel like it's a much stronger album. But I do give them credit because it, it's, it sounds amazing. It's a really fun record to listen to. I've always had this you know, relationship with, with music, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love the band. And as a bassist, Flea, to me, is one of my prime influences. You know, if I look at Flea, to me, you know, my, my three, my dream team, if these three bassists were ever going to do something together, it would probably be uh, Flea, Les Claypool, and Marcus Miller. Just having these three massive bass icons who have very distinct approaches and sounds with their instrument, to me would be like my, my mind would, would be blown, right? <laughs> that being said, you know, I, I was a 90s kid. I didn't really latch on to the Chili Peppers from uh, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic or before. I was aware of them as a kid. I was aware of it. And I 
and I, you know, give it away. And the, the hits were definitely something that it was in my space, but I didn't start playing bass till 14. So there was a, a good amount of time, 14, that's uh, 2000, 2001, right? And when, to me, really, I guess this is the unpopular opinion, but to me, really, the, the quintessential Chili Pepper record that introduced me to their sound and me to Flea and what they're capable of was One Hot Minute. It's the first Chili Pepper record I had. It's the one where John Frusciante had left and they got uh, Dave Navarro to come in as guitar player. And admittedly, it's not their strongest record, but the bass and drum work on that record is as strong as any as any other Chili Pepper record, for sure. Like just the stuff that Flea was playing in those days, uh, absolutely. And to me, uh, Aeroplane is still one of the best Chili Pepper records ever produced. Flea has this fun little tune called P, which is just him and bass. I don't think I've heard him do that ever since, right? So it's just it's just a unique quality to One Hat Minute. I was also a big Beavis and Butthead fan. And uh, and so when Beavis and Butthead to America came out, it was still during the Dave Navarro days, and they did uh, a cover from the Ohio Players, uh, the Roller Coaster song. Absolute gem of a tune. So to me, that that is the quintessential you know, uh, Chili Pepper record. It's the sound. It's that uh, relationship between the bass and drums and having the voice kind of go over it. The guitar is sort of there to fill out the space, and who does that really depends on that style. So Dave Navarro was much more of a metal guitarist. So he did what he could, filling in the funk grooves and solos and stuff. Super talented guitarist. But it wasn't a surprise to learn that he wouldn't be a long-term fit for the band. Uh, and then Fushanta came back. You get Californication. You get By The Way. You get City Marcadium. Uh, easily three of the best records also just front to back, really catchy, really melodic. You could definitely tell John Frusciante's influence as a songwriter and composer. But that being said, when he left and they had the Rain Dance Maggie song and The Getaway came out, The Getaway was the last time I was really excited about a Chili Pepper record, right? The Getaway to me, Dark Necessities, such a good tune off the bat. So I don't have the opinion that the Chili Peppers are the best when John Frusciante is involved. In fact, I'm of the opinion that the Chili Peppers have produced some of their best work without him. I think there was a lot of hype behind Fushanti's return, and I don't think it's warranted. I think Chili Peppers are a band. They're going to produce the music they want to produce. I think more to their sound, Anthony Kiedis' voice and lyrics, Flea's bass, and Chad Smith's drums have become the sound of the Chili Peppers. So regardless of whether or not it's John Fushanti or Chris Hoffinger or Dave Navarro, filling in the guitar, I think they're going to make a Chili Pepper record no matter what. And that's what I always really liked about the Chili Peppers. So thanks for letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> let's uh, let's turn back to the band to dig out the last tune we're going to listen to uh, on the program. Here's a quick reminder. Check out the show notes and click on the link to comment or leave a voice note. If you have something to say, I want to hear it, especially if you have a band we need to dig out for a future episode. While you're at it, find and click the link to our Spotify Bands to Dig Out playlist. Please enjoy responsibly. Lastly, head on over to www.zenialdadcast.com to hear all past episodes and learn more. Earlier this year, they released an album called You Good? Question mark, right? Uh, and I haven't listened to the whole album just yet, but I did listen to the first track. 
which is called Next to Me. And again, if you thought that they were going to be, I don't know, if I gave you the impression that they were a, uh, a Chili Pepper copy band or something, uh, they're not. This is a really unique, really original tune. Super, super catchy. It really caught me by surprise because this is a band that, again, more than 10 years has been around. They've been trucking along, and I got a lot of respect for that, and they're creating amazing work. So we're going to close out the program by listening to Next to Me from their 2022 release, You Good. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you if you're there. So let's enjoy this. Thanks for listening. This is Next to Me. Bye, baby, baby. Peace. Take me